I want to welcome Mike Anthony to the In My Fields podcast. Um, amazing author. I just actually finished your book, Love Dad, um, how my father died and then told me he didn't, um, which is a great book. I mean, it dives super deep in. And how we usually start the show is uh, thoughts, feelings, emotions, positivity, negativity on the inside, create your whole outside exterior. So my question to you, Mike, is how are you feeling right now in this moment? Uh, great, you know, uh, given, uh, especially given uh, the situation in the, in the world. Um, but, you know, personally, um, I'm, I'm feeling good. You know, I tend to be of a, of a, of a generally optimistic disposition uh, anyway. Uh, and after everything that's happened to me described in that book um, uh, and the peace that those experiences gave me, I feel, I feel very good. How are you? I am actually really good. I'm a, right now. I mean, I, I try and keep myself in the present moment rather than, you know, past thoughts or future thoughts and everything right now is really good. Good. You know, Cause you always get to a point of, you know, when things are, g- are going good, you're like, Oh, actually, you know, it's not quite good enough. And then when things aren't going good, you're like, I wish I was just good again. Um, but Absolutely. I'm aware, I, I, I'm kind of aware of that awareness and, and, you know, spiritual sense. And I completely work on myself like 24 seven, you know, I'm, I'm kind of studying Buddhism at the moment, even though I'm not Buddhist, I'm not that spiritually in, in, in depth, but just little things like, um, I came across this, this thing of, you know, you're driving on a freeway, um, someone cuts you up, cuts you off in your car and then you're honking, you know, you're swearing and all the, you create all these stories about that person, you know, that fucker, this, this, this all this stuff's going on. And then in the book, it says, um, but, you know, that person could have, you know, be rushing to the hospital. Their wife is about to give birth. And, you know, so we don't actually know the true essence of it. And that made me take a step back and being like, wow, I, we, as humans, we create so many stories about situations that don't exist. Stories about uh, situations, stories about ourselves that aren't real. Uh, you know, the brain is this incredibly powerful thing uh, that gives us our sense of reality. And, and I think um, it's it's remarkable how quickly and easily um, our brain creates reality. You know, you can hear a thing on the radio maybe that um, hasn't really been looked into or tested, uh, but it it's in the background and, and that um, gets into your subconscious and it can so easily become reality. And I totally know what you're saying about um, the experience of creating um, stories about people that we have no idea about. And of course, we're all guilty about that all the time. I, I work on that constantly, trying to trying to be live in the moment and um, and understand that everyone else is living an entire life just like I am. Um, and I have no idea. I have no idea why that guy might be honking, um, as you said. So yeah, um, things, you know, spiritual masters have been telling us for thousands of years that the key to all of this is, is um, staying in the moment, you know, being present, truly present here now and kind of quieting this thing that makes up all of these stories. And it does it so loudly that it can be really hard to hear what's going on down here. Uh, and, and I think that's probably uh, the reason for most of the pain in our lives. Absolutely. Um uh, I, I want to dive in a little, cause I mean, I first saw you on surviving death, which, um, I guess is everywhere. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm kind of, I'm someone who always seeks questions. 
um, you know, for religion for me kind of stops the question. This is exactly what it is. So whereas for me, you know, I take a step back and I'm like, well, I have so many questions. Um, and, you know, what, what, what drew me towards you is because you were almost doing social experiments with people who could, you know, mediums or psychics or whatever you want to call them. You know, who, who, you know, because we've all experienced them. I've been around, you know, my mum, my mum lost her, her mum when she was five years old. So she's always been in search of that. And I've always been the kind of emotional support for that. So as a kid, she would take me to, you know, not seances per se, but, you know, in a room of a church or something. And someone would be like, oh, I have so-and-so here. Can anyone relate to it? And then they just keep asking these questions. And there'd never really be a defining moment that you're like, oh, light bulb. Okay, this is what's happening. Even though inside I kind of believed it because, you know, I don't know shit about anything. And that's the beauty of it. Um, I want to dive a little bit into that aspect of it. And also the, the kind of life pre that your life pre that yeah yeah that's kind of where i'm coming from as well i don't know anything you know i'm an absolute agnostic is how i would have described myself before um some of the experiences that i ended up having uh as far as you know the idea of, of religion um i grew up in a family that was um you know, I went to catechism and stuff like that and got my, my, had my first communion, but, uh, we went to church maybe on Christmas, you know, maybe once a year. Uh, so I was not, uh, brought up with, with, um, religion. Um, so my sense of all of it, uh, of what this might all mean, um, was formed just with my own questions, uh, which means that it's mostly still questions and 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 few answers. Um, and uh, that said, I've always loved science. Um, when I was little, um, the the I remember watching. I write about this in the book, like going to the airport with my dad and watching planes take off, and being astounded. How could that thing that has to be hundreds of thousands of pounds or whatever it is. How can that be in the air or, or seeing like an ocean liner bobbing on the water? Why is that thing not sinking? But if I throw a pebble or a rock that sinks right to the bottom. Um, and then getting, getting to middle school and high school, I had this amazing teacher named Mr. Sawyer. And when he, um, every day it was like pieces of the mystery were being unlocked by Mr. Sawyer and by science. So I fell in love with the idea that human beings using just our, our, our intellects could um, figure out some of the mysteries of the universe. You know, we know now how a plane flies, you know, we know why boats are buoyant and stay on the surface. Um, so I fell in love with science. That said though, I've also had always this sense, this very vague sense that there is much more going on than meets the eye. There's more going on than I think science is capable of getting to. I think science, our instrumentation is only so sensitive, right? Um, and at the very, one of the things that really astounded me when I went to college and started learning about the things that science does not yet understand. And I was floored to find out that like, we don't really even know what gravity is, for instance, right? Gravity, this pervasive, it permeates everything. Um, it, it's involved in all of our equations. And yet we don't truly know what it is. I mean, the last few years we've detected gravity waves and we're looking for the particles, you know, that might make it up. But anyway, at the very base level, the things that make up everything matter, right? You've got protons, neutrons, and electrons. What make those up 
we have to get theoretical now. We, you know, we think they're made up of quarks and gluons and, you know, all of these different things. And what makes those up? Who, who knows? Uh, one of the big theories is string theory, right? That it's all vibrating strings. And the rate that the string vibrates at determines the physical qualities of that thing. But what is making the string vibrate? Mm -hmm. What yeah. makes it vibrate? We have no idea. So for me, uh, you know, the word God could be the same thing as the word, um, you know, strong nuclear force or whatever the thing is that's making the strings vibrate. So that left me um, in the position um, of being of loving science, but also recognizing the limit limitations that it has, uh, and I, I and having an open mind. Um, so that's sort of where I where I was uh, when my dad passed, and um, when that happened, uh, suddenly the the vague sense I had that there was more to the universe was not enough. Uh, I needed evidence. I needed like real hard evidence that my dad did not totally disappear somehow. And that is what led me down this journey that became uh, the the book. Amazing. I mean, the, the, the book's amazing. I mean, those who haven't read it, please read it. You know, I've, I've read a ton of like, um, you know, NDE books and uh, like so many, so many different experiences, so many different things. Um, and, you know, I'm someone who, who believes in, you know, we are what we create. So, you know, my thoughts, everything in my life, I'm the magnet for it, whether that's good, that's bad, the ugly, all that type of stuff. I can trace it back to an emotion or a feeling or someone else's feeling an emotion who's around me or all those type of things. Um, and I think, you know, as when, when loved ones pass, we kind of, we kind of search for for the for the, not the meaning of our lives, but the meaning of 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 why or the how. Um, so we look for answers. Um, and I, I would love to dive in a little on you know because like where the energy goes, uh, where the focus goes, the energy flows. So manifestation, for example, um, when I was watching Surviving Death, I guess one of the creators was uh, her her brother had passed. And she was looking for a sign and the sign that she, you know, she went to bed, she was looking for, you know, red balloons. And I remember that so vividly. And she woke up the next morning outside of her apartment was red balloons stuck in a, stuck in a tree. And, and now I equate that to two things. That could be the actual meaning of the fact that that is a sign from her brother or it's the law of attraction, which she wants to see in her life, in physical life, the actual red balloons. But either way, I mean, both are magic. Right. regardless so i mean there's there, there's no right or wrong answer and i'd love to dive a little bit on on that with you especially on, on you yeah. know your your thoughts and your feelings your emotions towards this type of stuff yeah yeah i mean the, the so the ultimate question i guess with regard to this topic is um did my dad survive the death of his body right that that is survival of consciousness beyond the death of the body something that happens now According to science, right, according to mainstream science, no, my dad definitely did not survive the death of his body. There is no way that Leslie's brother put balloons up in the tree. Uh, there's no way that any of that could possibly happen because what we are and what we um, what we feel as ourselves is, is simply an illusion of self created by chemical reactions happening in the brain. And when the blood stops flowing to the brain, when the heart stops beating, those chemical reactions stop. And so does the awareness and the sense of self. 
Um, so also that means, according to science, that consciousness cannot have any effect beyond the confines of the skull, right? So like the idea of the law of attraction, for instance, manifesting these things in our physical reality, that also, according to science, is not possible. There is no way that you or I could simply hope or wish or, or want something enough that we could make it happen in reality, because according to mainstream science, that's just not how it works. People who are beyond the question of whether or not consciousness can have effects beyond the skull, which to me, that evidence is clear cut. Mm -hmm. It is clear cut. And and I've now seen with my own eyes, you know, because you've, you've read the book, that the last chapter of the book, which I hesitated to even put in because um, it's it, it's going to be so far beyond the average person's uh, sense of what's, what's possible. Um, but I left it in the book because it did truly happen. And I won't say exactly what it was here because it's better to <laughs> build, build up to that. But I was sitting beside a New York Times journalist when it happened. There were other people in the room with me. I mean, I, I just have to say that on my honor, uh, on my soul, if that's a thing, what I say happened in that book truly did happen. So for me personally, I know without doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that there are things that happen in this world that are what we would call, quote unquote, paranormal. I know without question that mainstream science is wrong. And as I say in the book, I know now because of particularly, I, I've had a ton of things happen now that are suggestive to me of survival of consciousness, or at the very least, some sort of human ability that we don't yet understand. Um, the But the, the, the last thing that happened to me in the book, I mean, that left... I mean, that just objectively clearly happened. So as I say in the book, I now know that it doesn't matter how many Nobel prizes a scientist might have. It does not matter how smart they are. They're wrong if they tell you that there is no such thing as anything paranormal. They're just wrong about that. And that's something that really did nag at me for a long time because a lot of these people are incredibly smart people, you know, way smarter than I am leaps and bounds beyond my cognitive abilities. And if those people are so smart, it really bothered me. Like, why haven't they noticed these things that seem to have um, been thrust into my life? And at first they happened without me searching for them. They kind of were thrust upon me. Um, why hasn't that happened to some of these smart people? Um, and I don't, you know, there are many answers maybe to that question, um, but ultimately I, I just, I, I know without, a, without doubt that uh, things do happen in the world that our current science cannot explain. Now, I can't answer though, whether or not that balloon ended up in Leslie's tree because it was her brother acting without a body in whatever uh, state he's in now, or if it was something created by Leslie um, using her brain in a way that we don't understand. You know, and that's not a question. I don't think we'll ever have the answer to that. Maybe uh, there are things that suggest to me that it truly is survival of consciousness um, as opposed to a, a superhuman ability that we don't yet have uh, mapped out by science. Um, but ultimately we can't say 100% whether or not that's true. So that's where I am now. Uh, I just, I. I know that things happen that science says are impossible. Um, I don't know exactly what it means. 
That's yeah. that's where I am now. It's, you know, it's, it kind of it boils down to, you know, it's like nature and humans. It's like the separation of, you know, a plant or a rock and us mm. or the, the, the separation between religion uh, and science. It's just, it, it, you know, it's like the, 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 the dark and the light, you know, it's just all perception. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, you know, it's funny because I had um, Dr. Eben Alexander who wrote the Proof of Heaven book on, on the show. And he um, and it's, it's even a neuroscientist whose brain was dead. You know, he was the laughing stock of the industry. And then obviously New York Times bestseller, but that's, that's something completely different. And then you start hearing stories of scientists, uh, especially who work with people who are dying or die, who, who have died and come back. And they're told these stories and they're just like, oh, you know, it's a chemical, you know. But right. it even, you know, I've had people who have passed over and, you know, and you see the, the physical body and you can tell that that is not them. It's right. something deep inside you are knowing. I don't know how you can't explain it, but you look at them as like, they're no longer there. There's nothing there. Yeah. And I came up with this, this thing. Cause I was, um, in my sandbox with my daughter and creating these, um, you know, just, uh, sand castles. And you think of human life as being sand and you create sand castles, it transforms. And then my daughter comes along and smashes it back down and it's back to being sand. Now, is the sandcastle there or not? It doesn't matter because the sand is always there. Yeah. It just transforms. Same with us. We, when we pass over, we don't, we physically die, but, but spiritually, I don't think we do. I think there's, there's so much magic in the universe that we can't perceive. Um, and it's the same with dream state. I mean, dream state is the way to connect us to that side of it. And there's a reason why you can't really remember your dreams, because if you could, your mind would explode. I mean, right. there's so much, so many things that you can kind of tap into in the dream space that just you cannot comprehend in physical reality. Your brain won't allow it to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you and, and near death experience experiences, for instance, are, that's one of the things that make me believe that it is actual survival of consciousness and not, not some supernatural ability because they're, you know, they're the, the, most interesting to science are um, what are called veridical NDEs, right? Which is someone who dies. And um, often this might happen, for instance, they'll go into cardiac arrest when they're on an operating room table. Okay, so we have them hooked up to all of the monitoring equipment. We know that there's no discernible heart activity. There's no discernible brain activity. They are, for all intents and purposes, they are clinically, they are dead. Um, and a, a, a lot of times, you know, um, they'll be under general anesthesia. And the way that general anesthesia works, according to science, it literally makes consciousness impossible. That's what general anesthesia does to the brain. According to mainstream science, it makes it so that there should not be anything possible, any cognitive activity. There should be no possibility of, of having a, a thought or, or a memory or seeing things, you know? And so these people will come out of their body They'll go up typically, you know, and these stories, obviously they vary widely, but this is sort of one, the general that might sort of, if we call it typical of an NDE, if, the, if there is such a thing, they might go up to the corner of the room and they're looking down and they hear the conversations that the doctors are having and they can report word for word what the doctors are saying. In the best cases, they'll then leave the room and maybe they go down to the hall, uh, to the waiting room and they hear a conversation being had in the waiting room. Uh, that their loved ones are having, right? And again, word for word, they can report what they were talking about. Um, 
in, 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 in cases that truly fascinate me, um, there are a whole, um, this is a whole particular area, people who have been blind from birth, for instance, um, in some cases, they don't have a connection. Their ocular nerve is not even connected to their brain. So there should be no way for any visual information, no visual impulse to get from the eye to the brain that it, it, there's no connection. And yet they die, they flatline, they come out of their body and they have a fully visual experience. These are people who have been blind from birth. Just that alone, there's a great book called Mind Sight by Kenneth Ring, I believe his name is out of the University of Connecticut. Um, if your listeners are interested in that, it presents a number of case studies um, uh, in that particular area. Because that alone, that piece of evidence alone says to me that science is, has a lot left to learn, you know? That's amazing. I mean, it, and the thing is, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, literally, I'm like, I'm, I'm not from any of this background. You know, I was like from a completely, you know, um, but it, it fascinates me. I'm not, I'm no longer used to the idea of death used to, you know, I used to fear it, but now I let fear go. And I'm like, you know, this is beautiful. I mean, and then you see, you know, uh, especially in surviving death, you know, the reincarnation in kids and children and, you know, that, that wall of adultness or, you know, bogged down by just the shit of world is just not there. So they can see things completely different. Um, I, I, I want to dive back into, you know, that kind of, cause I know you had a beautiful relationship with your dad. I mean, it, it's prominent in the book. Um, and you know, just before he's passing, you had a conversation about, you know, he wanted to transfer assets over to you and your sister and, you know, subconsciously, do you think he knew something was coming or something was brewing or, you know, he, he I, I don't know, I don't know if he physically understood, but you know, something deep down within him to have that conversation with you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it certainly seems like it now um, when I when I look back on that conversation. I mean, that night, my dad said to me, you know, I'm not afraid to die. He, he said those words to me about 30 minutes before he died. Oh, and, wow. and those words came out of a conversation we were having about his mom, who was dealing with Alzheimer's disease. And um, she had been afraid of the idea of death, I think, up until that point. And I was saying that night, I'm like, you know, dad, but um, in some ways, what she's going through, as hard as it is for us to experience that she doesn't know who we are anymore, for her, it maybe it's a bit of a blessing. You know, she's not afraid of dying now. She's just not aware enough to be afraid of that. And he said, oh, I'm not afraid to die. And I was like, well... Well, yeah, I mean, we weren't even talking about you or, you know, and yeah, he, he wanted to, to, uh, you know, so my grandmother had lost all of her life savings had gone into paying for her medical care at the end of her life. And he didn't want that to happen. And I was like, but dad, you're, you know, he was only 60. And in my mind, he was a young 60. He was very physically active. He was in great shape. We thought he was going to live to be a hundred years old. Um, so I was like, dad, you know, you're not anywhere near close to having to worry about that. And uh, anyway, if I got money at the end of your life that you didn't spend on yourself, I would be sad about that anyway. So I don't want your money. Um, so yeah, looking back on it, I do wonder if he had some sense or maybe, he had a sense that subconsciously that he wasn't even consciously aware of. It, it certainly seems that way. Yeah. And, um, and I, I know when you got the news, I mean, you, you were still at work and you kind of, you know, and you were serving drinks and you, you kind of describe it so beautifully in the book of, you know, sitting at the train station. I mean, 
I mean, what do I, it's because I've had those type of things happen to me and everyone handles it differently. Same as, you know, back to the, the NDE experiences. This is why the manifestation of life is real because every NDE experience is tailor made to that person based off of who they are. Mm. You see, mm-hmm. that's why no one can pinpoint two of the same NDEs. They all have a general specific, whether it's leaving the body or this or that, but their experiences are completely unique to themselves. And, you know, the books I've read, the spiritualism I've kind of practiced is, you know, the way you live is how you die. So Mm. everything that you experience in life as your beliefs, your negative, all that type of stuff, you drop the physicality of it, but you you take it on into the next, the the non-physical form, should I say. And hearing you say that about your dad, I mean, you know, speaking into existence, certain things too. I mean, um, I studied victims who are of crimes who, you know, who get murdered and how is it? that the person is there at the same time as the, and to a T there's always something involved in, in that specification that kind of brings it around evidently. Mm, Yeah. You know, but you know, we see death as this kind of opposite to birth because we as humans like to put love and hate, you know, it's just one is one. There is no opposite of it. Mm. Um, So I I mean, for you too, I mean, I'd love to dive a bit more into your kind of, leading up to that moment and then after that moment and, and then your continued search. And, and I love the fact that you start testing mediums and I'd love to dive in a bit on that too. Sure. Yeah. I was at work. I, I'm a bartender on Broadway. That's my, you know, that's my day job. And um, I was working at a show and intermission was just about to begin. And I got a call from my sister and she was just wailing, you know, s- screaming and sobbing uh, saying, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. Uh, and that's how I found out. And and now I realize I, I went into shock because um, I have this very clear memory now of hanging up the phone and intermission just began. And, you know, when that happens on Broadway, you suddenly have 300 people in front of you at the bar. And I remember making drinks and saying, are you enjoying the show? How was the first act? You know, I'm like having this normal conversation. I just found out that my dad died. Um, it was bizarre. And it was like, I guess, my own survival mechanism. Um, and the, the news was so shocking that like hearing my sister and my mom screaming on the other end of the phone, I, I literally thought that they were going to die also. Um, that's how shocking it was. So at that point, I went into a full on existential crisis. Um, it wasn't just the loss of my dad, which was bad enough, obviously, but the idea that someone as incredible as him um, and everything he'd ever thought and wanted and loved and all of his ideas, um, if everything that was him could suddenly disappear as though it had never been here before and never will again, then like, what was the point of anything at all? That's where I was um, psychologically. I was really having trouble understanding what the meaning to anything could be. If, if we just appear for this brief moment in this infinite ocean of time and space, and then we disappear, and that's that, then what's the point of anything? Um, and that's when, from my perspective now, I feel like my dad, who is no longer stuck in a body or a brain, and now had these, um, these expanded abilities, 
uh, saw how devastated his family was. My dad was an incredibly loving man. Uh, you know, it's hard to explain how, how loving of a guy he was. So it's no surprise to me that he saw us there weeping, struggling, wondering how to possibly go forward without him. And he thought, well, I, I can't let this go. You know, it, for him, it was an untenable situation seeing us like that. And uh, he was going to do whatever he could to let us know that he had not disappeared into the ether uh, and, and, and gone forever. So, um, you know, people, when they're grieving, a lot of times mediumship is, is a tool that some people use, right? They'll seek that out. Now I was vaguely aware of mediumship from shows like crossing over with John Edward and the long Island medium, you know, the, the ideas in popular culture and like ghost, the movie ghost, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Um, but so most people seek out mediumship, um, when they're trying to deal with their extraordinary grief, to us, mediumship kind of crashed into our lives because a woman who is a complete stranger, a medium who's, who we have never met, and to this day, I've never met this woman in person. My dad contacted her, uh, and as it turned out, she is a friend of my cousin, a second cousin of mine that I was not close with at all. But it was like my dad looked around and he was like, okay, I just need a medium that is connected to my family mm -hmm. in any way, no matter how remote. And he was like, okay, you. And he tapped this woman on the shoulder and he told her, he's like, my name is Robert. Uh, my family um, runs a fish restaurant and you have got to get this message to them that I'm okay. They're desperate. You have to get this message to them. And, and so this woman told my cousin, Chris, she said, I have this guy, Robert here. I feel like it's connected to your family somehow. And he eventually put it together when he remembered that my sister owns a fish restaurant, that it must be our Robert. So he called our house and, um, and, uh, you know, that is what set off my journey into, uh, trying to figure out what this was. I given my, my love of science, um, you know, I'm a person who's open-minded, but I definitely need evidence. You know, I need to know um, that this is real because unfortunately, you know, there are people out there who claim mediumistic abilities and they're not necessarily um, mediums, you know, and, and, and it, it's not necessarily even that they're bad, evil people. They may have convinced themselves that they're doing something that they're not exactly doing. So anyway, uh, I ended up we had a, a, a sitting with a professional medium. This woman who contacted us at first was not a professional medium. So we, we had a sitting with a professional medium. I tested her by saying, dad, I want you to say this very specific thing tonight. If this, if this is really you, I need you to say this very specific thing. And at the end of the reading, which was extraordinary, the whole reading was extraordinary. I could not figure out what was going on because some of the things she was saying were so specific. They weren't published anywhere. You couldn't find them on Facebook. They were not in obituaries. They were like very personal things, including referencing like a conversation that my sister and I had had privately the day before. And so I, my mind was blown. Uh, and then at the very end, we're wrapping up to leave. And she looked right at me and, and she said, oh, your dad wants me to talk about your hair. And that was the code word, my hair. I wanted him to mention my hair. Um, and that totally changed my life um, in like a, in a moment, it changed my life. Uh, and, and then about a year after that, I called that woman back and I, I said, listen, I need to be sure that 
what you did is what I think it is. Because by that point, I was sharing my story with a lot of people, um, especially people who were grieving, and it was bringing them comfort. So then it became a real moral responsibility to me to know that I was telling them the truth. I needed to be sure that I was that the the hope I was offering them was based in something real and that I hadn't fooled myself into believing something. So um, I asked her if she would let me film her uh, doing readings with people that I brought to her. So I would know there was no way she could be cheating. I was gonna turn cameras on, have her sit down, and then I was gonna walk a total stranger into the room. And I did that, I've now done that like 20 times. Um, and over and over again, I've watched her do something that science says is not possible. So, um, after that, it, I was left in no doubt that mediumship is a genuine phenomenon. Not, not that all people who claim to be mediums are actually engaging in mediumship, but it is a, a real phenomenon that does happen with some people. I mean, I, I saw that, that, that video. I thought it was amazing. I mean, you know, whenever I have mediums on the show or anyone kind of of that, that elk, I always, I, I kind of ask them, you know, have you ever asked her like what? life after death just explain it or, or, or is it just basically kind of is it based on her beliefs to what it is or is this what she's actually been told but then if everyone's experiences in life after death like your dad's is completely different to someone else's then they can only really explain what they experience yeah you know the the human brain is involved right like her brain is involved so it's very hard i think until we die and 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 the grip of the physical human brain is is lost entirely I think until that moment, things are always going to be filtered through it, right? So there might be some, and maybe this is why all of the major religions of the world, you know, they have some basic things that, threads that run through all of them, right? And then things get all twisted and, 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 and kind of crazy, but there are these some basic threads that, that run through all of them. And maybe those basic threads are the truths that we're not able to get to while we're in a brain. So yeah, Angelina talks a lot about what life is like on the other side. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's filtered through her brain. So I, I, it's hard to say exactly. Um, there's a great book by a guy named Alan Kardec, who uh, it's called the spirits book. And um, for people who are interested in what, you know, I, cause people ask me this all the time, you know, what, what do I think life after death is actually like? And I'll say that for, I have no um, way to prove any of this personally, um, just my own instincts. And this guy, Alan Kardec, he was using mediumship, um, to gather information about what life was like on it. Like what's a day in paradise, heaven, the other side, whatever you want to call it. What's a day like for my dad now? And he asked these questions of mediums sort of all over the world. And he got fascinating answers. Um, and from what these people say there, that the other side is, um, not one, one place necessarily. It's, uh, you know, there are levels to it, you know, there are maybe different realms, different, um, levels of, of vibration and energy. And these are words that people throw around a lot, like vibration and energy. And we can't truly, I don't think, know what these exactly mean again, while we're in a human brain, but, but what they, the, the, the basic sense is that, um, the other side can kind of be whatever we want it to be. And this, uh, in it, it, to go back to NDEs again, I mean, we see that in NDEs that 
they're tremendously varied. And if a person does have a very strong religious persuasion, right, while they're in this life, let's say they're Catholic, devoutly Catholic, they might see Jesus. A lot of people have seen Jesus, right? Um, but a lot of people have not seen Jesus. A lot of people have seen all kinds of other entities. Um, so again, in, but even people who have NDEs, by the time they're recalling this and telling us the story, it's again, it's coming through the brain again, you know? So we might, yeah. uh, it, it, we might not be getting the complete unadulterated, um, sense of what they experienced while they were outside of their brain. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I'm, um, I, um, I gave, I sent a ton of people, um, the proof of heaven book. Just like, you have to read this. And someone like me or you would read it and understand that what he's describing is something he can't really truly describe because he's never seen it before. It's like if something landed right now and you've never seen it, your brain will compute it as something that you have seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the nature of reality. Um, and, you know, the, 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 I, I, to me, it's just a, a world that's super fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, all types of mediums, all that type of, you know, NDEs or, you know, and you have, obviously you have skeptics, which is the, you know, the kind of similar to believing. I like the way you put it in your book of the, the whole science, um, you know, the skeptics and then the believers, they're both kind of the same, but of the opposite spectrum. Yeah. Um, where, where you're now on this search for knowing and, and, and factual stuff by trying to use, you know, your kind of inner senses rather than going the scientific route or the skepticism route, just being open to, to receiving information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've long felt like to say that there's definitely no such thing as God is the same thing as saying there definitely is a God. Yeah. It, it's two sides of the same coin. I, I don't see how we can say either of those things. Um, what, what I think we can say is what we have, we're talking about earlier. And, and that is that things do happen that science says don't, you know, you, we've talked a lot about the idea of manifesting um, desires in, in physical reality, right? We know now so many tests have been done by uh, many people, a guy named Dean Radin, for instance, uh, of, of the Institute for Noetic Sciences, which was established by Dr. Mitchell, you know, who was like the sixth or seventh guy to walk on the moon. So these are not like loony people, like mad scientists working out of their mom's basements. You know, these are, these are super smart scientists. And um, there are things called random event generators, right? Which um, they use radioactive, um, uh, they use nuclear decay, radioactive decay to, to, uh, which means that it's totally random, right? But you can think of it as, as having zeros and ones. It's constantly randomly spitting out zeros and ones. And we know now after many, many, many tests that a person's intention can affect the machine. So if you have a person sit in front of it and say, okay, I want you to get this machine to spit out more ones than zeros, sure enough, over time, it'll spit out more ones than zeros. That happens. It, ha it, ju it just, ha we know that it happens. So the fact that that's not part of the general scientific curriculum, that's what bothers me. You know, I feel like it's, it's egos that are getting in the way. Um, the, the, the evidence for reincarnation that we touched on, it's so strong. And I went down to the University of Virginia because like I'm the kind of person I need to like talk to these people face to face, you know, to, to get a sense of them and, and really figure this out. And the evidence um, 
uh, that's been compiled at the Division for Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia is so strong. I mean, it, it's stronger than the link. I, I tell people this, you know, this is something um, that the Journal of the American Medical Association commented on, okay? It's one of the most well-respected, highly respected scientific journals in the world. If the Journal of the American Medical Association tells us that a new study is showing that saturated fat is not the cardiovascular uh, culprit that we thought it was, that's splashed across headlines, right? It's on the nightly news. Oh, eggs are not as bad as we thought they were. The evidence for reincarnation, that these little kids are having memories that are then verified to be accurate, memories they could not have known by any normal means, that evidence is far stronger than the link between saturated fat and cardiovascular disease. And yet nobody knows about it. And that's because I talked to Dr. Tucker for a long time about this. And I think, you know, there are many reasons for it, I'm sure. But I think one of them is simply ego, people's egos. You know, we get so invested in our, in our work. And for a lot of scientists, this is like their life's work. So you can understand that if information were to come in that shakes the foundations of that work, um, it can really be difficult for the scientist, especially because we start to identify with the work, you know, on, on a real level, it becomes a part of who we are. And if that work gets shaken, it can shake our psychological sense of, of self. And that's a very frightening thing. You know, that's something that, um, you know, Buddhism discusses the ego um, maintains a grip on us um, and it's afraid of dying. So it will do whatever it can to, to, to stay alive. Um, and, and so that's what, that's sort of my main mission at this point now is to, to simply say, I don't know what's going on. I just know that something is, yeah. something is going on that materialist science says can't. Yeah. So materialist science isn't right. You know, that's all that I want to get people to know, because I wish we could have our best and brightest working on these things rather than a bartender. Uh, you know, I'm not the person who should be investigating this stuff. I don't know enough. Uh, we need people far smarter than me working on these topics. People like Dean Radin and Dr. Mitchell who, who passed away. But, um, you know, there are scientists out there. It's not to say that there aren't any, but, um, you know, we need someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? So people who are like the face, kind of the popular face of science. I would like to go with like Bill Nye, or Neil deGrasse Tyson down to the University of Virginia and have him go through the data. Because Dr. Tucker told me that most scientists simply are not aware. They're simply not aware of the data. They haven't even looked at it. They, mm -hmm. they literally dismiss it without even looking at it. Well, I, had a I had a person say to me, it can't be possible because it can't be possible. <laughs> what well, that makes no sense <laughs> so uh that'll be my next documentary i'm, I'm gonna i want to take like mainstream scientists well known um to see some of these to, to to look at some of this data see some of the things that i've seen with my own eyes uh and then and then tell me what they think is going on absolutely it's funny because i i watched a documentary which was i think they were trying to it was trying to find a specific particle, I guess, to create energy from like a small amount of, of particle. I can't remember what it was. So they pulled in the best scientists from every field mm -hmm. and they're all searching individually for the same thing, but they've never kept come together to search for it together. I mm. can't remember what it was. It's a fascinating documentary. Um, I'd love uh, to watch that. Yeah, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll remember it and I'll send it to you. But it's, it's, 
And I was like, that's that. I think that is the problem with science and, you know, I won't say religion, religiousness, which we'll say, um, is it's super separate. And I mean, even mm. Dr. Tucker's coming on in April on the oh, show. Great. He, um, and again, as someone who's championing that, but, you know, you have scientists who's trying to study consciousness and have not got anywhere because it's consciousness searching for itself. Mm. It's very hard, you know. And then when you're doing the experiments, the, as you said, the experiments change within the experiments. Who did I watch? I think it was like on a multi-dimensional thing of when they were trying to study light going through one way. Yes. When they actually, when they're not there, it's a certain way. And when they are there, it completely changes and is so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's called the double slit experiment. That was the thing that when I learned about that, that light, you know, sometimes behaves as a particle and sometimes as a wave and not just light. We also now have done this experiment with matter, with, with matter big enough to see with our naked eye. Now I forget where I think a uh, university in California, maybe, but yeah, what we now know for sure, this has been demonstrated time and time and time and time again with the most science, the most sensitive scientific equipment we have, whether or not a wave of possibility collapses into a particle. So an electron, for instance, just to use a bit of matter, um, it, it sometimes it behaves as though it's spread out. It's not anywhere. It could be everywhere, literally everywhere. Sometimes it behaves as though it snaps together and it becomes a definite particle. The thing that makes it snap into time and place is us, is observation. If if a scientist is in the room and knows whether it went through one slit or the other, it goes through one of those slits. If we don't have the devices turned on that tell us whether or not it went through this slit or that slit, it goes through both. And then it interferes with itself and causes an interference pattern on the back wall. So that should blow. If this doesn't blow people's minds, that means they're not grasping it. And it takes a lot to grasp. I would read... Um, uh, Brian Greene's book, The Fabric of the Cosmos, great book that really, and it gets much more mind-blowing than this. Time gets involved in this. There's something called the delayed choice experiment, where a, 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 an observation we make in the present affects something that already happened. So if like the particle detector was back there and we make the decision after the thing's already gone through the slits, affects what ha which slit it went through, even though it already <laughs> went through them. So that's the basis of reality. For any scientist to say, no, that's not possible because it's not possible. That's crazy, man. Quantum physics tells us that like anything is possible. I'm with it. I love it. I love your enthusiasm. I mean, more, please, Mike, more. I mean, it's, uh, well, I, I mean, you pretty much answered the question, but I mean, what's now for you? I wouldn't say what's next because now it creates the next, um, as it right. creates the past. Um, what's now for you? Now, uh, I, it really is focusing on this idea of, of just spreading this word as much as I can. Um, I mean, currently, right now, death is so present in, in people's lives, given, given COVID. Um, so, and with the Surviving Death series, I'm getting so many messages from people who are devastated and brokenhearted. And I'm trying, you know, I will get to everyone individually. Um, so I'm really focusing right now on... Uh, just trying to tell the story simply because it makes people's now a little easier. It does bring comfort when people realize um, that you're not crazy for thinking that maybe you saw a sign that a butterfly that showed up at a crazy moment, you know, you're not nuts for thinking that that could be a message from people that you love. Uh, 
from from everything that I've gathered and everything that I've personally experienced, it is now my personal belief that the people we lose, we don't, that they truly do still truly exist. They're still truly, literally here. And that if our eyes were set up differently, we might look over to see them. You know, uh, our eyes see such a very, very small part of the, the electromagnetic spectrum. If it's, if it's this, you know, we see this part of it. So, um, that's what's, that's what's kind of my purpose, I guess now, uh, is just spreading the word that there is a lot of evidence out there that, uh, the, the universe is a wondrous place. Um, and the, you know, you don't have to necessarily take any scientific, um, authority as the ultimate truth, uh, because there are things out there that even the brightest among us don't yet have a grasp on. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you, uh, I I watched, it was a little while back, a Robert Redford film where he, uh, discovered, or he managed to film for a split second, the afterlife. Oh yes. I remember that. Yeah. And then once it, you know, it it wasn't published, it wasn't released. It was like, uh, but it resonated so deep with me. And I feel like there's a reason why it's not common knowledge Mm -hmm. because I mean, you know, you lose someone, you're devastated. You're like, okay, I want to join them. Gone. Um, or if you knew that life uh, existed after this life, if you didn't like the way your life was going, you know, gone. And I yeah. think there's a reason why, you know, the difference between us start, uh, ex- experiencing it and kind of unraveling it is, 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 is it because it's from a positive place? I mean, initially your search was obviously from, from, um, you know, heartbreak and losing your, your dad and all these type of things. But I think the end goal isn't that feeling the end goal is is a knowing within yourself that everything is okay yes you know um yes yeah i mean for me yeah and and i think in the movie you're talking about like then people start committing suicide sort of in mass yes right yeah that's definitely not my suggestion (laughs) um for me all of this is important for some reason. The physical that we're experiencing here right now is just as important as wherever my dad is right now. That's my personal feeling. And the knowledge, my again, my personal belief that my dad still survives and that I'm going to see him again, that just makes this life sweeter. You know, it lets me enjoy this more without the fear. You know, that's how I start off the book. There's the great show, um, uh, The Good Place, right? Which is on Netflix. And at one point, uh, the, the main character is talking to this angelic, you know, eternal being who can't grasp what it means to be a human because he's eternal and he knows he's eternal. And she says to him, you know, we're all, um, we all know about death. So we're all a little bit sad all the time. And, and that's true. Right. But this, having the, the sense that I now do and the absolute belief that I now have it's mitigated that sadness. You know, I really, I feel physically lighter in my life because um, I know that there's much more to this, but it doesn't make this any less important to me. I love everything about this. Um, And I'm here for a reason. I truly, you know, now we're getting into spiritual stuff and not scientific stuff. And that's fine. My personal belief is that we come here for a reason. There's something about this experience that is special that we can't have from over there. I mean, there's got to be a reason why um, we choose to enter these physical bodies and have these experiences. You know, maybe uh, maybe chocolate covered strawberries taste the way they do in a physical body, only in a physical body. Maybe it's not exactly the same. You know, 
there is a reason for it. So I would definitely not say to anyone that um, uh, this is uh, that I'm intending anybody to uh, get to the other side any quicker than uh, no, is naturally the case. You know, no, no, no. Yeah, I think um, I, it's it's almost like it's that that thing of you know, oh, you know, people searching for UFOs. It's yeah. like, um, you know, if a UFO landed in the middle of, um, uh, you know, California, Los Angeles downtown, people would shit themselves. It's like <laughs> not even like, you know, and just hovered there. It's like, what's that film? Um, I can't remember what it's called when an alien sh- statue just landed down and just stood there. And no one knew what was going on. These questions went around and then the earth started destroying itself, not knowing what their intent was. And then the earth destroyed itself and just shot straight back up. Didn't actually have to lift the finger. And I feel like that would be, you know, if it came to, um, but you know, for me now, especially people who are listening to this, I think the unanswered question is, is there's a beauty in it. There's a mystery in it. There's, there's a, there's a something that, you know, we need to learn. And I feel like you're right in terms of, because I answer that question so many times to people who have come back, you know, most NDEs, I don't think I've read one where they don't want, they want to come back. They want to stay where they're at. And there must be a reason for us, whether, I don't believe that every, you know, I think you have agreements, like for example, you and your dad had an agreement to come and be father and son, mm-hmm. um, you know, you and your sister, all that type of stuff. And people that are in your lives have agreements within this life, but I don't think anything's predetermined. So your, your, your future can be changed in the now at the flick of a, an emotion, the flick of a, you know, a mindset, all those type mm-hmm. of things. But that's the beauty of the universe. And I think you're right. You put it perfectly was that maybe the tasting of a strawberry is something, a chocolate strawberry that you can f- taste and feel and emote here cannot be felt there. And I feel like it's that constant search for knowledge is the reason why we're here. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've looked into a lot more now um, since this started. I don't write a lot about it in the book because I'm trying to, I'm mostly in the book, I'm talking to people who maybe don't know much about the stuff at all and they're leaning towards the skeptical side. But since then, now that I've seen the stuff that I've seen and I know that there's way more going on, I've let myself investigate other things. And one that's really fascinating to me um, is LBL therapy. I don't know if you're familiar with that at life between life therapy. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. These are people who, who have um, past life regression. So they go to a therapist, a certified therapist um, and try to recall past lives. And now there are people who are um, studying people at the place between lives. And what's fascinating is, you know, they'll, they'll take a person to a previous life And then they take them to the death in that life and they die. And then they come out of their body and they have all of the things that we hear about in NDEs, except then they truly did die in that life. So they get to follow them all the way through the dying process Mm -hmm. and to the other side. And this is um, a practice that totally changes people's lives. Um, And they, many of them get to see some of what you're talking about right now, the contracts, for instance, and um, they remember things that happened before they came into this life and maybe agreements that they made with other people in their lives. Um, it really totally changes their lives. Um, as do NDEs. I mean, that's what I've talked to a lot of people who've had NDEs now, and that's one of the things that is um to me, strong evidence that it's a power, that it's a real experience. It changes their lives for the rest of their lives. You know, we follow people and they'll ask them five years, 10 years, 15 years later. And the effect is as profound. It, it, often it totally changes these people, you know? Um, and, and, but if you ask a person who had a cardiac arrest 
and did not have an NDE, right? The effect will dissipate. For instance, right afterwards, they might be more grateful to be alive that they survived that experience, right? But the effect dissipates. It doesn't change them um, in the way that an NDE often changes a person. Um, so to me, that's strong evidence that there something something powerful is happening there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's basically what I'm, it's. Have you have you had the therapy? I haven't. I, I've I've tried, and I'm a tough case um, <laughs> to hypnotize because I'm so. Uh, yeah, I'm just too busy up in my brain. Um, I'm call. I'm you know they have different categories, and one is the intellectual category, and that's just a person who cannot get out of their own way in their brain. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try again though. But I did have a friend do it who had no knowledge of this stuff whatsoever, and I filmed her doing this. And sure enough, she had these memories of previous lives. She had she met her deceased grandmother at this place in between lives. It was an amazingly profound experience for her. And she now walks around this earth having no doubt that she's lived before she has these memories of these previous lives. So, um, yeah, it's something that if people are really interested in, in this stuff, um, I, I really recommended, uh, because I've, I've, I've interviewed now maybe 50 to a hundred people who have gone through this process and, um, it can be, you know, I'll just to tell you if there's time, one quick story, a woman who had many, many, um, psychological issues. She was, she was agoraphobic for instance. So she got to the point where she was afraid to leave her apartment. Um, and she was on all kinds of medications, anti-psychotic medication, anti-anxiety medication, all, all kinds of things. And she had this therapy, a four hour session. And not that this is how this is always going to go. So, but for her, she had this one four hour session and, um, it, was so profound that she's now on none of that medication. She's totally off all of that medication. And she has an entirely different sense of what reality is. Um, so the, it can be a profound, a profoundly healing experience for people who are uh, having questions like this. And like you said earlier, I think it's not meant for everyone. I think, I think this stuff is out there. You know, if you seek it, you'll find it. Um, and, and like you said, I also agree. I think there's a reason for that. It, we're not all maybe supposed to know certain things at certain times. There are reasons why we're maybe cut off from some things at some times. But, um, uh, if you get to a point in your life where maybe you're listening to your show right now, maybe there's a reason for that. And you're questioning things. Um, that that's one, um, one practice that I've, uh, seen incredible results from. That's amazing. And, and it, it, I, I remember speaking to someone who was like a, uh, she was like a medical intuitive. So she's someone who, I mean, I've had medical medium on the show who's basically like, you know, um, a, a spirit speaks to him about people's ailments. So he'll read your whole body and tell you what's wrong with you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but she, she actually dove in a little bit on my past live. And she said, I was, I was, I don't know what it was. I was a lover of women, which kind of makes sense now. I mean, I am absolutely. Um, and the um and i guess i was in arabia or somewhere and i had an affair with a sheikh's wife or something and we were in love and then i was killed and i was hacked to death or something like that and i was like Ugh. oh and then i was like it kind of makes sense especially in the re reincarnational aspect of you know especially if it's a, a swift because it's very hard to determine this like you know for example your dad you know reincarnation i mean is he gonna come back is he gonna come back as someone's kids 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 i mean you know, and then what happens to him after that? And it's just, it's just a never ending question, which is beautiful. I mean, to me, it's beautiful. 
Um, and and Mike, I, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, I'm looking forward to book three. I know this. Are you working on a, a third book? I feel like you should, because I mean, you, the way your mind is now, the way your awareness is now, I feel like adding that and completely living your truth. Because I thought about, you know, how I speak to people is people understand my spirituality to, to, to what I'm saying. You know, I'm not, you know, meditating on a hill or running down, you know, all that type of stuff. I'm practical about the fact that I ha- we all have gifts and I'm trying to make people realize the fact that you are the controller of your ship, you know. Yeah. You know, even religious texts are like, you know, we're of God. It doesn't say we're of God with limitations. It's right. like a mother whose kid is trapped under a car. She can lift that car up and she gets the strength from somewhere right. because it, that, we all have that inner strength. And I think the reason yeah. why we do these type of shows and have these type of connections and conversations with pe- people like yourselves, I, I, I want to thank you so much. Seriously. Oh, it's been a complete pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And, and for everyone, just please, uh, Mike, Mike Anthony's books are amazing. Um, he talks about, you know, life at Hamilton. Um, I, a question, just personally, I mean, during ha- the whole COVID thing and, and how has that been for you in terms of, you know, uh, Broadway and, and that type of stuff? Yeah, we've been shut down since I think it was March 17th. So we're going on a year now that it's been totally dark. So it's been a real hard time for a lot of people. For me, it just happened to sync up that I had this time to write the second book. Uh, and, and when the Netflix series was coming out, um, so I have been able to stay busy, you know, so it just happened to fall during this time. But yeah, for for a lot of people, it's been rough. But I feel like there's a big spiritual component to COVID too. You know, I, I really feel like, um, people are being forced to slow down and, uh, maybe, maybe we're, you know, I just, I just feel like there might be, um, positives to come out of it down the road. N- not to say that, it, you know, for everyone who's lost someone, my heart is with you. I'm so sorry. Um, but I, I think as a species, maybe as a world, um, down the road, we might gain some insight from all of this. Absolutely. And I mean, again, if you believe in the whole manifestation, manifestation, you have to believe in every, every, all aspects of it. There's no yeah. shut off, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the weather, right. collectively, the environment, nature, we're all a part of it. So we have to all fully believe in that. And once you let go of that, you'll see the elements of it in a positive light. Yeah, I love that. I love that.